Today we're continuing our Mark series. We're going to chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, where he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Genesara and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is God's word. If you would open your Bibles or a pew Bible to Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 45, that would help as we go this morning. And let's pause and pray. Lord, we need your help. We thank you for these words that have been written for us, uh, written that, that are now for us to read, and I pray that you would help us to see Jesus clearly for who he, he is. In his name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the most important question that every human being needs to answer. It's a question we see Jesus trying to help his disciples answer here in this passage. And it's the question that Mark had in mind when he wrote down this story. To, to encourage and to teach Christians in Rome that he was writing to. And the way that you answer this question um, will determine the difference between true faith or anemic faith, uh, between uh, confu- con- clarity and confusion, between anxiety and peace, maybe even between life and death. So the question It's like we're playing Jeopardy here. What is the question? (laughs) The question is very simply, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? People, People say a lot of things about Jesus. Everybody wants to claim him for their side or their cause or their champion. He was a great social revolutionary. He was a a great teacher, a great prophet, a, a model for us. He um, he was, um, you know, uh, an enlightened guru. But Jesus is more than all those things. Um, and, and this passage shows us who Jesus really is. Now, some of you maybe have already settled that question in your minds. And if you have, 
I pray that your faith and confidence will be renewed this morning in who Jesus is. Some of you um, have settled on an answer that maybe is incorrect or insufficient. And I pray this morning that you'll get a better answer and a clearer picture of who Jesus is. A, a Jesus that is big enough to support your faith and your trust. Some of you are still working to try to figure out the answer to that question, who is Jesus? You're trying to put the pieces together. Um, maybe you're a young person growing up. I remember growing up in church and believing all the stuff I was taught in Sunday school and yet getting to a point in high school where I had to decide for myself, is this true? Is Jesus really who he says he is? So here's what I want to do. I want to show you how Mark answers the question, who is Jesus? And second, I'm going to ask, what should we do about it? What difference does it make for us today? So who is Jesus? How does Mark show us? In verse 45, Mark begins with the word immediately. Uh, this is typical of Mark. Mark's gospel is fast-paced, um, action-packed, showing how Jesus does one amazing thing after another. I was talking to a friend this week who said, yeah, Mark is like the graphic novel of the Gospels. Our kids love graphic novels because, you know, it's like a big comic book, and you can read them so quickly. Um, it's true. Mark, uh, Mark is just like, has this urgent message to tell us. But the thing that's so urgent now is that Jesus needs to be alone to pray. So he's just fed the 5,000 plus crowd miraculously. Now he sends his disciples on ahead of him across the lake by themselves. He dismisses the crowd and he goes up on a mountain to pray. <clears throat> Mark highlights three times in Jesus' life when he goes by himself to pray. And all three of them are during times of intense pressure. What pressure is Jesus feeling right now? Well, in the Gospel of John, we're told that at the feeding of the 5,000, many people were there who wanted to take Jesus and make him king by force. They thought he was a certain kind of Messiah who was going to be the, uh, a military leader and kick out the Roman occupation. And Jesus knew that was not his calling. But faced with that pressure and his tremendous popularity, he, he needs to go and be connected to the Father and remember who he is and remember his true mission. So meanwhile, the disciples are out on the lake rowing against a strong wind and it wasn't going well. Have you ever been in a canoe or a kayak or a rowboat out on the lake when it's windy and you're rowing against the wind, it's hard. It's frustrating. I remember doing that once in a canoe and it was so windy that my paddle broke. It just snapped in half because I was paddling so hard into the wind. <clears throat> so here's where things get interesting. <laughs> We're told that, that Jesus looks out and sees them struggling. Now, either it was an extremely clear night with a bright moon 
and he had really good vision or this was some kind of supernatural sight because they're miles out into the lake at this point. But he sees them struggling and he goes to help them and it just says he went out to them walking on the water. <laughs> walking on the water, right? Mark doesn't even seem that, that impressed by it. Just He went out to them walking on the water. Now, skeptical commentators over the, over the years have looked for so many ways to explain this in a naturalistic way because people don't walk on water, right? Last time I checked, you can float in water. You can, uh, you can, you know, swim underwater, but water does not support the weight of a human person walking. So skeptical commentators have said things like, well, this was actually... An optical illusion. Jesus was on the shore, but because of the wind and the light, they, it looked like he was walking on the water. Or there must have been a sandbar under the waves that Jesus was walking on. I even heard someone say just this past week, you know, stories get changed and embellished over time. And so did Jesus actually walk on water? Probably not. Probably not. It's, wor it's worth noticing, though, noting that even the disciples who saw it didn't believe it, right? It says they, they saw him and cried out. They thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they were terrified. They're, they didn't believe what their own eyes were telling them. But, but the key to this whole thing is this really strange statement in verse 49. Did you notice this? I'm sorry, verse 48. Uh, Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the water. He was about to pass them by. He was about to pass them by. Now, what's that about? Why would he be going out to them to help them, intending to pass them by? Like, oh, see you later, guys. Catch up to me on the other shore. He's going to help them. It, why is he trying to pass them? Um, it seems a bit callous if, if they're struggling and he's like, well, I, I want them to see me, but, but I want them, this is a test of faith or something like that, right? Why is he going to pass them by? Here's what Mark is trying to tell his readers. In the Old Testament, there are several places where God shows up to a human being like Moses or Elijah, and it's called a theophany, when God shows himself to a human being in a way they can perceive and understand. And, and do you remember in Exodus 33, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and God tells him this, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, Yahweh, in your presence. There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. 
that phrase, passing by, is, is re- connected to God showing himself, showing his glory to human beings. And so that's why Mark uses this. That's what Jesus was trying to do, to show his disciples his glory. Later in the biblical narrative, the same thing happens with the prophet Elijah on the same mountain as Moses was on. 1 Kings 19.11, the Lord tells Elijah, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now hold, hold that in your mind for a moment. Keep that, keep that in one hand. And let's go back to the image of Jesus walking on the water. Now again, in the Old Testament, water, uh, Jesus wasn't walking on the water just to do some kind of a magic trick or just because it was the shortest way to see his disciples. There's a lot of Old Testament background that we need to understand. So in the Old Testament, water was a symbol of chaos, of evil, of things that were against God, of untamed power and again and again when the bible old testament wants to show that god is powerful and he is sovereign over creation it pictures him as commanding controlling um, taming the water like we said in our call to worship this morning the lord sits enthroned over the flood He is the one who makes a way through the sea and a path through the mighty waters, Isaiah 43, 16. But the best example is from the book of Job, chapter 9, verse 8. Listen to this. Job is talking about the Lord's incomparable power to do what humans cannot do, and he says this. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. He treads on the waves of the sea. Who alone treads on the waves of the sea? God, Yahweh, the Creator, the Almighty. So if Jesus is treading on the waves of the sea, literally, and he's about to pass them by, what is that saying about who Jesus is? He's God. He's Yahweh. He's the creator in the flesh. Now, in case we had any doubts, what does Jesus say when he sees the disciples? Take courage, it is I, which in Greek is literally I am. I am. Like God told Moses in the burning bush when Moses said, Who should I say sent me to the Israelites? Tell them, I am sent you. Because God, I I am. God says, I am the self-existent one. I am. So here's Jesus treading the waves of the sea, passing by in glory, and saying, I am. Everything about this is meant to teach the disciples and later people reading this, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Then Jesus gets into the boat and the wind dies down because now that Jesus is with them, all is well. 
but the disciples don't get it. And, and Mark tells us they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. We have to ask, what was it they didn't understand? You know, they were with Jesus. They saw the five loaves and the two fish. That's all they had. They saw Jesus give thanks and look up to heaven and break the bread and the fish. And then they saw that amount of food feed five to 10,000 people. So what didn't they understand? Well, the word in Greek, understand, literally means, this word literally means to bring together, to connect the dots, to, to grasp the true meaning. You see, they were not connecting the dots that Jesus was God. He was a great prophet. He was a great rabbi. He might even be the Messiah. But to think about him being Yahweh in the flesh they had not understood that. And we should give them some, some um, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We shouldn't be too hard on them because what Jew did expect God to come in the flesh? God was transcendent, holy, other, creator. We are creatures. We are mortal. We are, we are earthly in, in Judaism, there's this huge divide between the creator and his creation, between God and human beings. No Jew expected God to take on a human body and to walk and talk and be with his people in the flesh. This was completely unexpected. And yet it's true. <clears throat> I, I cannot overemphasize how important this is. I cannot say it too strongly. Jesus is not just a teacher who gives us information about God. He's not just a guide on the path to God. He's not just one manifestation or expression of God. He is God. Completely, fully, perfectly, uniquely God in the flesh. And that's a radical idea. It was for the Jewish disciples, and it still is today. You know, many people will sing Jesus' praises as a great teacher, as an inspirational figure, as some kind of a revolutionary, but to believe that he was God in the flesh, is God in the flesh, that's still a real step of faith. So, how, what should we do with this? How should we respond? What does this mean for us? Is it just some doctrine we hold on to in our heads to, to check off? Well, first, firstly, I want to say um, we need to understand that it is Jesus who reveals himself to us. Jesus was doing that with the disciples very patiently, revealing himself, even when they didn't get it. And later in this chapter, when the crowds keep coming to him and he's healing them, you know, they're just looking for healing. They're not, they don't believe he's God, and yet he's patiently, compassionately ministering to them, revealing himself to them. 
Jesus is the same way with us. He patiently reveals himself as, as many times as it takes for us to connect the dots and realize that he's God. And if he's God, therefore, he, he deserves all of our trust, all of our obedience, all of our worship, all of our hope. Um, he wants us to see and understand who he is so that we can place our full faith in him. Because listen, if you are trusting Jesus to do things only God can do, forgive sins, guide your life, um, uh, um, save you from death, then you'd better make sure Jesus is able to do those things. How does Jesus reveal himself to us today? Because he's not walking around doing miracles. He's not with us like he was with the disciples. So how does he reveal himself? Well, um, he uses the word and the spirit. The spirit is his presence here now. And he uses the word to show us who he is. You know, if you, if you listen to anybody who has a testimony of coming to faith in Jesus, you will find at least two commonalities. That they saw, they understood the word, the word was presented to them, and the spirit was active in their life, sometimes in an unexplainable, supernatural way. Here's one example. Last summer when I was in Eastern Europe, we met a pastor named Sasha in Sarajevo. Sasha was a 50-year-old man. He grew up in Bosnia under, well, then Yugoslavia under the communist government. And like most people at that time, he was an atheist. He believed in science and progress and the human spirit. But he had a few Christian friends who would talk about Jesus with him and would ask him to read parts of the Bible. Bible, And he entertained, you know, he, he gave them the benefit of the doubt. He, he read what they wanted him to read. And then he started to question his assumptions the more he read. Well, one day these friends who had been, well, he, he finally went to church with one of his friends. They pulled up in front of the church and Sasha looked and said, it was just a regular house. I was, I, was, uh, I was like, what kind of a church is this? I was used to like a cathedral, right? What he knew of church. Well, he, he gets out of the car. He walks to the front door. The minute he crosses the threshold of that building, he said, I felt something different. I felt something happen inside of me. I felt a presence that I hadn't felt before. The Holy Spirit, Jesus revealing himself in a supernatural way, along with his reading of the word. See, the word and the spirit. Sometimes that happens dramatically. Sometimes it happens slowly and quietly. But Jesus still reveals himself to people through his word and his spirit. 
So how has Jesus revealed himself to you? How has he revealed himself to you? And have you connected the dots? Have you read enough or heard enough of Scripture to understand who Jesus really is? And I want to speak to three different situations briefly that people might be in today. First, maybe you've been struggling to put all the pieces together. You know, um, the Bible is a very big book, and it can be a very confusing book. But if Jesus is God in the flesh, then everything you need to know about um, everything you need to know about Christianity, about faith, needs to start with Him. He is the center of the Scriptures. He is the key to the whole Bible. He is the lens through which we see and understand God. So, focus on Jesus. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you do have things kind of figured out, and the statement, Jesus is God, maybe feels like old hat. Like, oh yeah, I know that. I've known that for 60 years. Well, may I suggest to you that we should do all we can to live in the staggering wonder of that truth. The eternal God of the universe took on flesh for us. And not only that, the eternal God of the universe allowed his flesh to be killed for us, as Mark will so vividly show. Never get over that. Never cease to be amazed by the truth of the incarnation and what God has done in Christ. Never let your mind be too far away from him. Let your thoughts be tethered to Jesus. Well, third, I want to speak to people, and I suppose this could be all of us, who may be in a situation like the disciples were, pulling on the oars and getting nowhere, frustrated, exhausted, anxious, maybe even scared, and Jesus isn't with you, right? Maybe I don't know what situation you have like that where you just feel tired or you feel like, Jesus, where are you? How come you're not helping me? Or I am just ser- trying to serve you so faithfully and I'm not getting anywhere. I'm trying to love this person, but nothing's changing. I'm trying to follow your teachings, but I'm not getting results. I'm trying to make a change in my life, but I'm not changing. Maybe you just need to hear the words, take courage, it is I. And remember that Jesus is with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, if, if Jesus is with you in your boat, so to speak, then all is well. All is well. No matter how it feels, all is well. In Sunday school, the adult class this morning, we were talking about, Dennis was talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you, all is well. Well, I want to close with one story, one final story to show how Jesus still reveals himself today. 
Now, again, I said it's not always this dramatic, but just to know that Jesus is real and is active. This story takes place in another boat, not on the Sea of Galilee, but in the Mediterranean in 2015. It's from a documentary called Jesus in Athens, which chronicles the work of Christians and missionaries in Greece in 2015 as over a million migrants came through from the Middle East. Okay? The film's director, Darren Carlson, says this. <clears throat> Picture a boat full of Muslims departing from Turkey. It's dark. No one has ever seen the sea before. One of the families is from Iraq, traveling with their small daughter. The water is rough, and she falls off. They can't find her anywhere, so they start shouting to God and to the people on the boat, Please, please help us find our daughter. But it is dark, and they cannot see her. Suddenly, she is on the other side of the boat, sitting in the boat. They go up to her and say, what happened? What happened? Over and over, she says, a man in white walked on water. He grabbed my hand and put me back in the boat. A man in white walked on water. He grabbed my hand and put me back in the boat. Meanwhile, <laughs> excuse me, a missionary is on shore. And he's made a fire for anyone who wants to join him. That day he has decided to use the story of Jesus walking on water to share his faith with the refugees. He has never done this before. And now here comes the family from Iraq, cold, wet, and warming themselves by the fire for whoever will come. As they sit, he asks if he can share a story with them. He begins to tell them of a storm <clears throat> and a man who walks on water. But the family interjects, what do you mean? Who is this man who walks on water? The family is crying. Can you give us the story you are reading? We want to know the man who walks on water. Jesus is real. He's still reveal, revealing himself to people as God in the flesh. Let's pray.